everyone, welcome to the ED Jam. Um, I'm hanging out today with a paramedic, um, Peter Konamu. I'm pretty excited. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. Sorry I've taken so long to put up an episode, um, but here we go. Um, Pete, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Ben. Well, good to be here. Mate, I'm stoked. Now, Pete, I've, your name is um, Pete and also Guido, I think. Why Guido? Why Guido? Uh, Triple M podcast years ago, they were doing some prank calls and his name was Guido Hatzis. Yeah. Apparently I reminded them <laughs> of Guido Hatzis and uh, it stuck back in 2000 when I was doing my intensive care training. Yep. Um, and since then, I was, that's how it ended up. It's been Guido. It's been Guido. Does it stick at home? Do people call you Guido no, at home? Not really. The not kids really. laugh when they hear it. Do they? Every now and then. Yep. It, it never sticks at home. Never sticks at home. Because I was trying to find you and um, someone said, ask Guido, and I didn't know who Guido was. Um, but now I've worked it out. <laughs> no. Nah. Now, Pete, you are a paramedic um, and you've been a paramedic for a number of years. What brought you into becoming a paramedic? Why did you choose paramedicine? Uh, good question. Uh, I was in the engineering game before this. Okay. Uh, I was a feeder and a in the printing industry, I did some work overseas on confectionery equipment. Yep. Um, and then I had a friend that was uh, in the ambulance service at the time. I was uh, served life-saving. Okay. Uh, the industry was getting a bit tough. It was a real sidestep. Um, mm. And I haven't looked back since, and that was 24 years ago. Wow. So I've been on road for 24 years. Yep. Um, and um, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying what I do. Yep. Uh, I enjoy the interaction with my patients. I think we're very privileged mm-hmm. uh, doing what we're doing. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, these people uh, welcome us with open arms. Mm. Uh, we, talk, we've got to, we can't take it for granted, yeah. if that's the word I can use. Uh, to me, it's uh, it's always um, comforting. And, and sometimes we, we see people in, in their element, but also come home with some um, amazing stories to tell, in, mm. in the sense that we always think we've got it tough at home. Yeah. And some of the, um, the the strength that we see, the carers that are out there, the people that are supporting loved ones, uh, and some of the, the trauma, the, the, the emotional trauma out mm. there, we can walk away from that and say, look, you know, I, I made a bit of a difference today, or I made a, a big difference today. Um, and I can go home and you can sit there and think to yourself, well, you know what, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, so it's what we can put into the community. Yep. It, it, it is a, a, a service each way you look at it, whether yep. it's high acuity or low acuity. Yep. I think someone asked me once, um, you know, what, what's a, a big case? And I said, the one that you're on now. Okay. So if it's Nana that's had a simple trip and fall, yep. and all she needs is assistance back to her feet, well, that's, that's the, and that's the way you've got to look at each job, uh, or each case, right? I was actually talking to one of your colleagues, actually, and he, he was describing, he'd gone to a case with you, um, and he basically said that, um, a, pa- a patient said they didn't want to be treated, okay? Um, and he said that you sat down for a while, um, sort of paced back and forward, and then went back and said, oh, I actually don't feel right, I want to go and assess him. And I thought that was really beautiful um, that you went back there and you had that duty of care as a clinician to say, well, even though you don't want to be treated, can I just do my job and look over you? Um, even though that from a distance you don't look like there's anything wrong with you. I thought that was nice. And I think that's a, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, and that's, that's what we do. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, you can walk away and you can't like a patient refused transport. Yep. I don't think it's always as simple as that. You, yep. you, you have to um, mitigate your risks as best you can. Yep. And, it, and it could be the, uh, you know, the 40-year-old mm. bloke that's, um, that's got a barbie, go- barbie going on, he's got his mates coming over, 
It's a, it's a grand final day, but he's having an AMI. Yep. It's clearly an AMI. It's a STEMI on your screen because I'm not going. Yep. And, and you have to do this delicately and you have to escalate slowly. You can't just go, look, if you stay at home, you'll die. Just, just do it slowly. Yep. You might want to have a chat to his wife. One of his mates want to have a chat to him. Come on, John, let's do it, mate. Let's go. Yep. I'm just making an arbitrary name. Yep. Uh, so I think you can't. You, you need to be there with them the whole time. Yep. And, and sometimes people are going to make silly decisions. For whatever reason, they're human factors. We're all human. We all get excited about things. We all get tired. Yep. We all get hungry. Uh, we all want to go home. Um, but sometimes with our role, we've got to be very careful. Um, so we can escalate slowly. Yep. And at some point, you'll realise that, okay, you're probably right. Um, you want to start bringing in the kids, you know, you want to see your kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the, dad's, the kids are going to go without a dad yeah. or a parent. Yeah, that's way down the track. Yeah. But, but that's an escalation. Okay. But I think sometimes too when we're, we're, we're finishing late or, yep. or we've only got half an hour before a knock-off time and we get that late job, it's nothing to do with the patient. Yeah. You might be in the car, you might be a bit grumbly, you wanted to see your kids uh, before they went to bed. But at the end of the day, when you know you get to the patient's residence and, the, and their door opens, g'day, Mrs. Jones. My name's Peter. Yep. And this is my partner Guido. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And away we go. So nothing changes. It won't change the speed of the job. Yep. It is what it is. Yep. And I love how you said it doesn't matter if it's a high acuity or low acuity. You still come in with that same mindset. Yep. So let's just say, for instance, you've come into a station. Um, and you, you know, how, how does your day roll out? So you turn up to, to your shift, and, and how does it work? Yeah, so, so you roll up to your shift, I often, I tend to get there a bit earlier. Yeah, I can, I can okay. tell, you're, a, you're an organised guy, you were here early before I got here yeah. for the podcast. <laughs> so I do have a bit of equipment to set up, so we, we've got to set up our car, and, yep. and these days, the way COVID's grown, we've got a, um, uh, I think it's a QR code, yep. we, we tap onto that, yep. uh, I put my name into it, my Bundy number. Yep. Uh, take my temperature. <laughs> yep. Tell them that I'm all okay. So yep. the day starts with that yep. very quickly. Then you pick up a car. You look at the big screen. You see what cars are available. Yep. Uh, that are suited for my clinical rank. Yep. Um, and I take the keys. I roll. I roll it over, and and I start going through some checks. Yep. There's, there's a couple of kits. So we're a, my main kits are my my drug kit, my yep. oxyviva. My uh, intubation or airway kit yep. and the life pack. Yep. So I'll go through that systematically. Yep. Including all that, I'll have to go to the drug room and sign out all the essays. Yep. Um, and have someone countersign. So we're all counting. Yep. Up, so everything's, you know, measures up. Ready to go. There are phones now we have to sign out as well. Okay. Uh, there are two phones allocated to each car. So there's a lot of signing out. There's, um, you know, I, I do some extended care. So yep. there's another kit there that I'll have to take out. Yep. Um, I've also got another component that it's um, remote area trained or yep. SCAT trained. Yes. So there's some more kits that I'll throw in the car. So I get there a bit earlier so yep. I can sort of hold the space, and which is, you know, sometimes some of my you know, colleagues get there. Pete, there are no more <laughs> little nooks and crannies in the car. No, I've taken them all. Sorry, but here's a little space. Yep. It's all yours. Thanks, mate. Thanks, yeah. Thanks. Really appreciate it. So that's my start. It could take an easy half hour. Okay. Um, Easy half hour. Yeah. And then we have to log on to the MD, uh, our mobile data terminal yep. uh, and say that we're logging on. Yep. And then somewhere along the way, coordination rings up and then someone... Gives you a job. 
Well, not quite. Coordination rings up and then clarifies who's on the cars yes. at this particular starting time. It, depending on your station and how large it, be only one car yep. signing on that morning. It might be six cars. So we have that all logged up and then someone picks up the phone and goes yep. through them all. And they systematically say, oh, well, so-and-so is not coming in. Yep. There's going to be some staff movements. Well, thanks very much. You can all stand down for the moment. Yep. Or they might say, oh, look, I've got a hot response. Can you get car so-and-so up? So in the mind of Peter Economu, you've got on, you've done your checks. So you've, yeah. you've followed systematically, you know, we've got this, we've got this, we've checked our drugs. Um, and a phone rings or the phone rings. You, yeah. oh, you know, I've been to places and heard phone rings and yeah, seen yeah. them gone off. And you answer it. What, does your pulse go up? Do you get a bit... Uh, not or, really. No. The pulse goes up because the, other, the, the ring tone's so loud at the station. <laughs> The little squirt of adrenal gland takes off <laughs> the roof. But that's probably pretty much it. But it all depends on the job. She yep. might just come on the air and, and may say, I have got a hot response for yep. you and it's a, um, a breathing problem. Yep. Okay. Now, half the time we don't know any more than that till we get to the car yep. and we tap on our mobile data terminal yep. and the job comes down okay. and we have a look at it. It, it may just be a, um, a non-lights and sirens job, a yep. cold response. Yes. It might be um, as simple as um, uh, an elderly fallen. Yes. Or so do you ever get to jobs and you, you, you're in the car, you turn out, and then you, you're going to a job maybe, and then you get there and it turns out to be worse than it is. Or yeah. the other way around, you get there flying to the job, lights yeah. and sirens, and then you get there and go, oh, they look like they've, they've yeah. got to be better. Quite often, because if, if you get non-English speaking background as well and they yep. can't actually tell you what's wrong with them, yep. or... Uh, they're heightened, they're anxious, they're scared. They yep. may have seen a, a febrile convulsion, for example. Yes. And it's lasted 30 seconds, but we're still going to get to it quickly. Yes. So when we get there, they're now, at least they're all settled, um, but it's all it's all good for us as well. Yep. We don't want to go there and see a real child fitting still, because that changes everything for yep. us. Because then we look at the book time, when they call and we think it's taken us, you know, eight, six, ten minutes to get here. Yes. And if the child's still fitting, it changes how we're going to work. Hundred percent. Well. But like you said, yeah, it might be someone goes on the air and says, "Look, a man's cut his forearm. Yep. There's a bit of road rage. He's gone to the driver's side and punched the window, and he's he's got some bleeding." But and this was a case. So we rolled up, but he actually got some um, glass up into his cephalic artery, and he was basically. Wow. On doorstep. It was just all running down the garden. But we didn't get that in. So we didn't know. We just yep. said, oh, okay, this just sounds quite a simple job. He's yep. got a cut to the forearm, maybe broken a few bones, punching the window. Yep. But it was anything but that. 100%. So he was quite unwell. And you could imagine that the people answering the phone as well on the other end yeah. would, would have quite a difficult job because they're not seeing anything. They're just hearing one, a one-sided conversation, That's true. That's right. so it would be tough. And, and unless they get multiple calls, we don't know. Sometimes with major accidents, yep. or motor vehicle accidents, there could be multiple calls. You're seeing the accident from your window here and you make a call, there's a pedestrian walking by, he's making a call, yep. someone else has pulled up, they're making a call. So there could be multiple calls, and that gives us an indication as well, the seriousness of the motor vehicle accident. Yep. Um, if it's as simple as you know a nose to tail, yep. um, you might you'll get the call because uh, the police have got there, the fires have got there, the towies have got there. But then somewhere along the way, someone says, "Look, I've got a bit of neck pain." So we mightn't have been called initially, yep. but we could be called down the track. Okay. And now we're going to discuss a bit a bit about trauma. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I got you on is because you have worked in extensive positions as a paramedic um, in your time, and you're still working, you're still treating patients. And, you, and 
people say, and I know that you're very clinically relevant. Um, do you see trauma a lot as a paramedic? There is, there is lots of trauma. Yep. And, um, you know, you're going to get patches where it's in respect to trauma. Yep. It's a bit quieter. Yep. And then all of a sudden you get a lot of serious cases in, in a small space of time. But over a period of time, yes, you will see trauma. And, and even a simple fall by an elderly yep. that's um, uh, fractured their neck offend. It's serious, a complicated orthopedic trauma. So yep. we've still got to take it seriously. That's still trauma. Yep. And we can't overlook it. And we've yep. got to treat them and manage them uh, as well as we would manage anyone else. Yep. So if you, let's say, for instance, you pull up, you're in the car, um, and you've been called to, let's just say, a head-on. Yep. Two cars, yep. head-on. Um, what's going through your mind? You pull out of the car and you walk. And the thing is, what I'm trying to paint a picture is that people don't realise, especially sometimes in the health industry that are stuck in hospitals, yep. what you see. When you open that door and it's carnage, What's going through Pete's mind? Yeah, I think so. I, I, again, you're getting an inkling how serious. Yep. Um, it could say high impact on yep. our mobile data terminal. Um, it could say that the people are still in the vehicle. Yes. Um, it could say that someone's unresponsive in the vehicle. Yep. That's really given me a huge indication that this is okay. far more serious. We may not get any more info than that. Okay. Um, but as we're pulling up on scene, we you know, resources are being deployed yep. as a measure, so coordination's getting a feeling of how serious it may be. Yep. So police are on their way, yep. rescue's on its way, fire's yep. on its way. Multiple vehicles might be on the way depending on how the job comes through. So if you might say that there are two or three people unconscious in yep. that vehicle, yep. in one vehicle, well, that's a major incident. Yep. But when I say major incident, it's a serious case. Um, and so we're on route, we're thinking about what we might do and what, how we're going to approach this. They're, and because of the case, it would have been um, viewed by our medical retrieval services. Yep. So they may have been dispatched okay. at early on, mm -hmm. rather than us get on scene and say, look, this is what we've got. We've got, in these days, we probably might think colour coding. So we might have two red patients, um, one yellow patient. We have one green patient. One patient's got out of the car and he's walking out case. So yep. that might be the core initial. Without, it's sort of like giving... An, an initial um, a windscreen report very yes. quickly. We've just approached the scene. As we're approaching the scene, we haven't pulled up yet. Um, we can say that it looks high impact. Um, both cars are separated by a distance of 50 metres. Yes. It gives you an indication. Um, and they're severely deformed. Mm. So that's a little windscreen as you're pulling up. So people are aware, oh, hang on, this is a big incident. So then you'll get out the car. Do a little reconnaissance. So yep. someone has to take the role here yep. so we get the right resources to the job. And, and you might walk up to one vehicle and you try not to treat at this point if there are multiple victims. Yes. Because your job now is to pass uh, an ethane, a, a message out there, so yes. exact location, type yep. of incident, the hazards, um, the access points, yep. uh, the number of um, people that are, that are injured and um, any other emergency services that are on the car. It could be power lines down. So it's a, it's a big process. So you need to get that started and you need to get it started early. And that's hard. I've tried, I've been to a couple of disaster training and I was horrible over yeah. the two way. I'll tell you what, I was mumbling. I couldn't get out. Yeah. Even training, just trying to at least give that um, you know, conversation was really hard for and me. And I think at that point, if it is, sometimes it's easier just to jot it down quickly. Yep. You know, if it is if it is quite significant and there might be access only for one direction, yes. you need to make that very clear because people might be travelling en route um, and realising that they can't get past that point. Yep. 
um, and you need to tell them early so they can make adjustments to their navigation yep. and come around the, the right access point. They might be met depending on, on, on the size of the incident. So we're talking a normal MVA. Yep. Normally we don't have to have a drop it down as a major incident. Yep. But you know, occasionally these things happen and yep. we have to treat them that way. Let's just say, um, you know, in terms of trauma, um, so you, you, you get in there, Pete's, you know, some patients got neck pain, you, you sort of get in the car. Are, are you, you know, you seem to be very level-headed. You're very, you seem to be very, um, you know, you, clear. You can't, you can't go in there um, stress. No. Because they're already stressed. Yeah. So you can't be stressed. Look, if I'm sitting at an intersection and yep. I witness an MBA, yep. I'm going to get you know, a bit anxious about it. It's, yeah. it's, it's happened in front of you. Oh, oh, geez. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, right, eh? settle down. Let's call it in. Let's yep. go see how they are. But you, you haven't seen the accident. Yes. You've rolled up into it, pulled up. You've been on before. You're all the patients in the car. They seem to be okay. Yep. They may be trapped by compression. They yep. may be trapped by confinement yep. only. They may be just sitting in the car because it's raining. Yeah. Um, or there may be some injuries, or they, they, they've got a sore neck, like you said. They, yep. they may be very stiff neck, they've had a previous neck injury, yep. and they're too afraid to rotate their head. Yep. And you're just going to talk to them, how are you going, sir? My name's Peter. Um, what happened? Mm. Now, he may tell you, I don't know. I bent over, the kids were screaming in the back, yep. or the phone rang, uh, you know, I was drinking my coffee, I just yep. wasn't. Paid. Sometimes they won't tell you at all. Sometimes yep. they say, I don't know. Pretty common, actually, I don't know. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think sometimes when they feel like they may have done something wrong, uh, they may not tell you too much. But your partner's out there, there's a witness that may have seen something. Yes. You've got a fair inkling what may have happened. Yep. Sometimes you might not know. You're just going to work with them. When do you make the call to try and scoop and go, I've heard this term used when I've interviewed other people. Scoop and run. Scoop and run, Pete. Scoop you know, sco- run. Do we scoop and run or do we do we stay and play? Scoop and run. All right, if they're, they're in the car now, uh, they've got an unconscious head injury. Yep. Um, I think at that point, you'll need to want to get them out the car. Yep. So, you know, you'll talk to the fires. If they are trapped by compression, yep. it's difficult to open the door. They'll do their cutting very quickly and we'll get them out of the car very quickly. So that might be to the detriment of lesser injuries. Yes. But that's how it works. We yes. need to get them out of, the, out of the car. So it might be just get them, you know, it's a hatch and we get them out the back. Yes. But we can get them out if we can. We'll, we'll roll down the suit. Whatever whatever means we need to. Yes. We'll do our best to get them out of the car quickly. Because it isn't, we can't be working on an unconscious head injury in the, in, in the car. But sometimes it could be worse because they are trapped by compression. Yep. And that might not be possible. Yep. But scoop and run, that's, that's where the term comes. Okay. Um, so you get them out the car, you get them on your stretcher, uh, you do what you need to do, you manage the airway, spinal immobilisation, in this case you'll put a teapot on and you'll get moving. Okay. So the little main strategy, you can get them in the car at this point, get a lining, but I think at this point we just start moving. That's not have to be super rushed. Yep. You don't want to do things that, you know, might injure yourself because you're rushing or tripping over. Yes. Or further to the detriment of the patient. patient. But you can slow things down if the retrieval team comes along. Yep. That'd be great. It'd decrease GCS. Yep. I'll have an RSI and I'll do it very yep. quickly and it's probably manage and the patient. And if they are unconscious, you're able to intubate yourself. You, you're trained to you intubate can patients. Intubate the patient, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. But I think sometimes with the muscle relaxing traps, it stops that gag reflex. Yes. If they're a bit light, gag reflex yep. might be more stimulant. More into cranial. It might increase their blood pressure. Yes. Put more pressure on the ICP. So yep. That's the thought there. But if I need to, I need to. Yeah. You know, if the airway comes first, ABC is up there, isn't it? 
It is. It, it, it's 100% it's up there. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, we when we intubate people in, in emergency departments, you know, we've got our C-Max, we've got our, mate, we've got our entitled CO2, we've got everything. It's, it's, it's crisp. It, it's, you know, people, you know, there's waveforms all around the room. Peter Connor is sitting at the side of the road with glass everywhere, um, intubating somebody with light, with, you know, so many other distracting features. How do you get in the zone, mate? Um, I think you've done it before. Uh, it, 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 yeah, you may call it a zone, but that is your zone right now. You're yep. focused on the patient. Then there are people around me looking after me as well. Okay. So I can't I can't do any of this without my colleagues. Yeah. And I've been blessed to have amazing colleagues. Yep. Uh, all around me all the time. So you, you cannot do the job on now. You're just part of a team. Yep. I'm part of a team. This is my skill set. And they're there to support me. So yep. at the end of the day, I can't sit there and focus. So if I need the suction, I'll just say suction, yep. and the guys will help me. But at the end of the day, um, mm. you know I don't have you know the issue with intubating these patients. We've done it for a long time now. Yep. Um, it's um, it, we we don't have video laryngoscopy, although yep. that's part of the ICP enhancement going on right now. Woohoo! We're going to get it. So we're going to get it. So yep. that'll be a, a great adjunct to what we do. So. Yep. Uh, it's good. That it'll be a, a, you know, so we can actually do it manually. Yes. But we'll also have that support there to show us, okay, we're in the right spot. Which is good. Which is good. Because sometimes with these difficult airways yep. and with traumatic airways, um, you can have uh, a lot of secretions in the air, a lot of blood. Yes. Uh, it may make it more difficult yep. to, to view what you're doing. And it could be damage to the structures down there. Yep. Um, so the idea is to get it done the first time. Yep. So that's why the advent of booties have come along yep. uh, for those more anterior um, larynxes. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, you know, over a period of time, we're, we're fairly confident with, yep. these, with these skill sets. I love how Guido says this is his zone, that this environment is where he thrives. Um, talking to his colleagues, this gentleman is so humble. Um, he has a skill set to do anything, but he'll do it only if it benefits the patient. He won't do it out of an ego to say he's done a skill. He'll do it if he feels it's right for the patient. Um, that's what I love about talking to this guy. That phone that was ringing before, there was four phone calls that went off during this interview, and all of them were phone calls to dispatch a team of paramedics to a job. I wonder what um, they've seen. I wonder what that job was. Um, was it a paediatric case? Was it an adult case? Was it a trauma? Was it a head-on? Um, I don't know, but I was definitely thinking about it while interviewing Guido. How have you managed to stay in the game and, and what self-care do you take to look after you? You go to a traumatic event, a deceased on scene, yeah. um, paediatric or adult. Yeah. How does Pete, what do you do to, to keep yourself, you know? Uh, well, as for Pete, um, you know, if I follow corporate line, we've got some great avenues and, and Eves has been there. And, yep. Um, Employment assistance and psychological services have been great. We've got peer support officers. Yep. Um, we've got chaplains. And even those chaplains and peer support officers, they've got um, contacts as well that yes. they can provide for you. Yep. Um, there's grievance resolution issues. But at the end of the day, for Pete, I think for what's worked with me over the years is talking to colleagues. Yeah, okay. You, taking it home... You, you may talk about it a week or two weeks down the track and you, and you will sort of water it down a fair bit. Yeah. There's no need to take it that far. But initially, no. Initially, mm. for me, it's the debriefing. I think our debrief will really help 
yep. uh, initially with that. It, mm. if, if it hasn't been done well, it, it could be more traumatic. Yep. And you need to talk about it. Yep. And, and your colleagues, it could be your, your, your manager, yep. it could be your, the, the colleague that you're working with today. And someone might come in and say, Pete, you did that job the other day, and, and then you start talking about it. And while you're talking about it, you're actually still debriefing yourself. And, and there's, there's um, no one's there judging the job. Yep. They're not asking a lot of questions. Yep. You know, like they're trying to learn from it as well. Yep. Could have done this, we did this, uh, this worked well. Um, and, and by going over it a few times, you're actually debriefing. And for me, you know, I love, I love being outdoors, I'll probably go for a walk, go for a swim, you know, build a piece of furniture. There's always a kid to chase around the house. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of distractions at home. So you can go home and you need those distractions. You need just to disconnect. Uh, if we don't disconnect and we're constantly, it's revol revolving in our head, um, then, you know, maybe you should seek some of those services. And we are lucky these days, if there are major jobs, or you spoke of pediatric job, you yep. automatically get put on the list. And, um, uh, one of our psychologists will give us a call. Isn't that great? And it's random. When I say random, you, you could be just out there walking the dog and all of a sudden, oh, Pete, it's so-and-so. Uh, did you want to talk about that job? I realised you did that job the other day. No, I'm all good. And that's how we normally go. But they'll ring back in two weeks' time again. And all of a sudden, you, you, you mention a few sentences here and there, and you're not even related. But 20 minutes later, you're still talking to them. Yes. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? It yeah. is. And, and, and you go, oh, okay, I've just been talking to this person for 20 minutes. And it kind of revolved around the job, but it didn't start like that. So I think it's uh, quite a good service, really. And, and we've got to unpack. Yes. I think uh, we're like a pressure cooker these days. The old pressure cookers with a little <laughs> bell on top. Sometimes you've got to lift it up. And if we don't, at some point, it could be something really trivial. Yep. It gets to us, um, and it's not that triviality. It's it's just been all the accumulation over yep. a period of time, and, and and I can't say we've all got skeletons in our closet, and it's just how we work through them yep. over a period of time. But again, I can only say I've been blessed with the good colleagues, colleagues. around me, and we can all just sit down yep. and have a chat. And it's just as therapeutic for me for them to chat to me about jobs, mm. um, because you can feel like you're there for them, yep. um, as they are for you. Yeah, and I guess Pete, it's interesting too because. I mean, we've painted a picture of you jumping out of a car just visually and going to a big head-on. Yeah. But, I mean, you go, you go to people's houses that have fallen and they're stuck yeah. between the bed and the, the yeah. toilet. You've gone to a beach where someone's, you know, drowned and you're on the beach covered yeah. in sand and water. You've, in your past career, you've scaled down cliffs to find someone who's fallen off. Mate, it's just so diverse. Um, and there's people that have lost their lives because of doing this job. Um, and yes. you, you know some of those colleagues and it's, yeah. it's a tough gig and I, I really want to paint a picture of just how diverse your job is that you go out of these doors um, and you do not know what you're walking into. Well, that, that, that's the truth. You don't know. You, you know. Like you said, you start your day and you have no idea where it's going to head. Yep. Um, and, and, and you're right in all those things you said, uh, whether you're on the beach, um, whether you're you know, on the side of a, a train track. Yep. Um, they're all significant cases, yep. and, but what we often forget is is the um, the grieving that's going on behind that. Yep. The relatives, uh, the mum, the, the spouse, um, the daughter. Mm. Um, yeah, it's tough. So they're the things that we kind of forget about, and they're the things that remain in your head. Okay, you've got a job to do. Yep. Yeah, the blood's there, the airways there. Uh, the chest needs decompressing. Yep. 
um, there's a severed limb. But those those visions of those distressed relatives are always there. Yeah. They, they sit with you a little bit, don't they? They sit with you and they resonate in your head and you can't take it away. But that's what you're doing. You're doing as best you can to make them feel that the emergency services did everything they could for mm. their loved one. Um, and, you know, especially for paediatric jobs as yep. well. So that, that's the reality. Mm. That's, and, you know, not only that, or if you're on the side of a train track, someone has witnessed this. Yes. Someone who's going about their business, mm. um, going home after a long day, it could have been a crowd, yep. and they've just witnessed something they hope, they wish they never, never did, but they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Um, so we got to, you know, when we come along, we, we have to do everything we can to mitigate that. And sometimes we do ask around who was around, yep. train drivers especially. Yep. You know, we tend to forget those poor guys. Who were sitting um, there. Sitting there, and then through no fault of their own, um, it was a mishap that happened. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the reality of the job. So, those things are real, mm. um, and, and I'm not saying they don't get to you. Yep. Um, but over a period of time, we've got good people around us. We can talk about it, and we can unpack yep. a little bit. And it's okay to unpack. Have you seen changes in trauma? Is there anything that you've seen out there recently? You're like, hmm, wh- why are we doing that? Um, I mean, we've seen like really cool tourniquets at the moment, which I, I love looking at those tourniquets that work really well. Have you seen anything out there at the moment that you're like, oh, that's quite interesting from observation as a clinician? Uh, look, I think the uh, introduction of the T-Pod yep. um, has been major. Yep. And it has shown to have a significant um, reduction in mortality. Yep. Um, and so that's one of our mainstays too with those significant traumas. Whether they're especially huge impact or they've fallen off a building or a car crash with significant other injuries, a T-pod will go on almost automatically. Okay. Um, and we're not seeing these sheets that are up around no, the pallet. I've done the sheet business. And <laughs> I think it's taught a little bit easier, better now. And they're aiming for the greatest for cancer. And we sort of s- spread that on either side. Yep. So, and I know when you go in, depending on body shapes too, these things can slide. It's not easy. And yep. By the time you get them in the car, you, you look down and you go, oh boy. Yeah, that's... They're different hip shapes. <laughs> but you do aim for the greater trochanter as your central point. I think that's been one of our major impacts. You know, tourniquets have been around. Yes, they're getting a bit better and smarter. Um, I, I think there are some uh, causes that, you know, hemostatic dressings that we're thinking of introducing. Yes. That may be, uh, you know, helpful. Um, calcium gluconate or something I've seen well, recently? Glycine, calcium gluconate. Now, look, yeah, yeah. Now it's more introduced now with um, traumatic cardiac arrest. Okay. That, that's what I've seen. I haven't... Um, so medical retrieval come along and yep. and look my understanding of calcium gluconate now I think a lot of the bags that the blood's collected in have, yep. a, have an anticoagulant called citrate okay citrate tends to um, the the, the uh, ionized calcium in your body tends to latch on to the citrate so that calcium is important because it is um, it, it is good for platelet function and also coagulation. There are certain coagulating factors that require the calcium, and calcium is obviously very important for myocardial contractility. Yep. So at the end of the day, it has a, has a significant role, this little electrolyte. So we might go down the lethal triad of um, hypothermia, yep. coagulopathy, yep. And, and metabolic acidosis. Yep. But in amongst all that, this, this simple electrolyte has, has, has significant balance to all mm. this. So, 
Um, I think these days you'll see that the medical retrievals, when significant, when they, you know, say, person's fallen off the film, there's significant trauma. They're in cardiac arrest or about to go into cardiac arrest, and they're running blood. So I think give there's it. been yeah there's been an introduction of um, calcium gluconate. Interesting. Uh, as well as their normal TSA, yeah. Yeah, their blood products that they're using. I think it's just O negative, but. Yep. Um, uh, mm. I think that's where that comes into it yeah. at this stage. That's my limited understanding of it. Oh, I would say it's a lot more uh, <laughs> uh, better than my understanding there, Pete. It's, I wouldn't say it's limited at all. Yeah, so I, yeah, that's introduction to that stuff. Okay. So I think for the crews that arrive to these things, this becomes um, it's a big issue for them because conventional CPR yep. for traumatic arrests um, it doesn't quite work. Yep. So, but we can have trauma-related cardiac arrest that we can continue as normally. Yep. You could have a drowning. Yep. Okay, you'll, you'll, you'll continue conventional CPR. Yep. There could be asphyxiation. Yep. Um, uh, Commodio cordis, you know, that impact with a, with a ball, say, to the chest, and, 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 and you hit the cardiac rhythm at the right time that it just puts you on the, some kind of dysrhythmia or, or a VF arrest. Yep. So um, there are certain instances that you may discontinue cardiac a head injury, for example, an isolated head injury, you'll probably continue a cardiac arrest as normal. Yep. But blunt trauma, penetrating trauma, and cardiac arrest, um, you might have to approach it slightly differently. Yep. You do have to approach it slightly differently. Mm. So at the end of the day, um, you arrive on scene, yep. they're in cardiac arrest. They are trying to push a little mnemonic out there. I don't know if it's quite mainstream, but we can still talk about it because it is relevant. Yep. It's called the March mnemonics. Very worthwhile. Yep. And anything that can assist us with getting some of our reversible courses in order, especially with traumatic arrests. Yep. So it's uh, March, as in M for massive hemorrhage, A for airway, um, R for respiratory, C for circulation, uh, H for hypothermia, mm. head injury, and E for everything else. So it kind of follows what you'll be doing on scene. So I like it. You want to arrest major hemorrhage. You want to open the airway. Um, you want to respiratory-wise, you might need to decompress to move on. Yep. Um, circulation, you might need to do some um, fluid resuscitation. Okay, you haven't got the blood products, but that's what you've got at the moment. That's what we'll start with. Yep. Um, and then with blunt trauma, um, yeah, hypothermia is an important one because it really adds to the cascade. Yeah. That, oh, sorry, that yeah, cascade, yes, but the lethal triad because coagulation um, does require the body to be at a certain temperature. Mm. And when it drops, it doesn't work as well. The enzymes don't work as well as they could. Yep. So coagulation becomes an issue. Not only that, you're losing your, your, um, your coagulating factors through the hemorrhage, and so you're going downhill fast, and we, we, you know, then the body goes from aerobic to anaerobic, mm. and we build up lactic acid. Now we're in metabolic acidosis. The heart's not pumping, the volume's decreasing, more hypothermia, more peripheral vasoconstriction, mm. more hypoperfusion, and this vicious cycle escalates very quickly. Keeps going around and around and around. It doesn't stop. And, and really, in the middle of the triangle, it's hemorrhage. Yep. Can you stop the hemorrhage, please? Yep. But in the meantime, there's a lot of damage. It's, and it's yeah. easy to remember. It's easy to remember. And it kind of follows the way um, our protocols are set Yes. Well. So I think if you can remember that simply. Yep. And, and like we said earlier, get on scene. You'll have a team. Yep. Get the teapot on. It's still a form of hemorrhage control. Yes. Sure, when they're in cardiac arrest, they might not be active breathing. They might be bleeding through gravity. Mm. Um, you can still apply the tourniquet. Because yep. if you do get a rusk, yep. 
uh, mm. then that particular area might be sealed yep. and, you, and you've tamponaded it. So I think it's not a bad idea to, to manage the hemorrhage as best, um, as best you can. Yep. Use the tourniquets. There's going to be gunner. There's going to be people around you. Yeah. That's Guido talking. He kicks in every now and then. He um, We've got to not forget the subtle trauma, the fall with rib fractures. Absolutely. You know, and maybe there's an intra-abdominal injury there. Maybe there's a yeah. spleen or a liver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you need to, like you said, you've got to assess those patients. Well, and, and, and the elderly are very prone to this, especially yep. rib fractures. Yep. Um, so... You know, do a thorough assessment. It's not just, okay, let's get them back up. I'm, I'm all right. No, I'm a bit sore here. To me, that's a red flag. If yep. you're starting to hold on your, your left rib, um, it needs to have an x-ray. We need to, have, to, to view it. I, I can't go any further. I don't know what's going to happen down the track, but yep. we need to have it assessed. Yep. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, the disposition here, let's let's go to hospital. And mm. Let's get it checked out. And, you know, often you'll say, look, you know, most of the time they don't want you there as much as you don't want to be there. They're yeah. going to be thorough. They're going to yep. be quick. Um, uh, they're a very good hospital. You yep. kind of sell it to them and you move on. But like you said, you don't want to miss these things. Yep. If you've got an index of suspicion yep. or your partner is a bit worried, take it with you. Your colleague's very important. If he says something and you're going, oh, you know, I don't think it is, but take, take it on board. Okay, well, let's do it. Yep. Okay, let's go. That's what's called crew resource management. They're... they're up the hand, they've said something quietly, they, they might be not outspoken, mm. uh, but they've said something, go, yep, yeah, I think, yeah, fair enough. I haven't quite thought of it that way. Mm. Um, you know, you're not going to think everything all the time, Ben. You know, yep. there's going to be uh, moments where you, you like you're in the zone, you could be task focused. You know, there's these great terms out there situational awareness, yeah, that's great. But when you've got a bloody airway that's given you absolute help, you, you don't know what's going on around it, you've got an inkling, there's a lot of noise. But the arrest might be uh, ten minutes into it. Mm. Uh, so if you've got, if you become task focused, and that is your task, yep. um, you may lose what's around. So you do rely on your team to support you. Yep. Pete, what about this? And and that might bring you back. And that's where coached sometimes. I think okay, we're, we're going to deviate. No, that's fine. Deviate away. But coached, I thought, has been a, a great addition yes. to how we run arrest because yep. I think it brings a beat into the system. Yep. Someone will just start saying, right, I coming up to a coached. Continue compressions. Yep. Um, oxygen, well, oxygen away, or it's yep. a closed circuit. I, I kind of like as we kind of know, oh, it's two minutes already. Yep. It brings a beat into the system, and it's a continuous beat, and it's been taught at all the universities, all, all the young students are coming out, yep. uh, and they're well aware of it, they're well drilled with it. And I think, um, I think those little additions into our practice make us better of what we do delivering best care for these patients. I think you guys are great at coached. I think, yeah. you know, sometimes they come to hospital and you get 25 people there and it can be quite, yeah. um, you, know, you know, people are coming in trying to put lines in, IOs in, and then we're missing that algorithm which does keep us back yeah. on track, which is good. You and you might assign someone, you just might say, and depending on the hands on deck, yeah. but, but my role is also to assign roles. And sometimes some, uh, a coach is a very good job to assign a set. Keep an eye on the time yep. and you call the coach. Yep. And, and and clinicians love that. They go, right, that, that's my right. They'll do other things, but that's their role. Because yeah. like, sometimes the clock on our monitor is super tiny. It's yep. sitting up in the top left corner. We yep. have to tilt the machine up so we can actually see, see it. Yeah. Um, but it brings a beat into the system. And they'll say, they say, oh, we've got another 30 seconds to the next coach. Great. And they're giving you a beat. They're bringing mm. the beat in. And you go, okay, already. 
So you know how much time you've spent here um, on the airway or what you've been doing, so you, you get a feel where you're at. I love how you mentioned your colleagues that, you know, if you have somebody who's working with you that has a you know, in, inkling of suspicion, oh, Pete, I'm just not happy with this patient, that you take that on board as, as important to you. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, you might be 80% sure, you might be 99% sure, but what about that 1% yeah. that they've brought up and you go, I can't completely exclude it. Yes. Um, okay, it's a fair call. Let's let's go to that hospital instead. Yep. So you know, the yep. matrix. might you know, patient allocation. Yes. I might decide. Well, we might deviate from the local hospital and go to this hospital. Yep. Because of that one percent that you may be concerned about. Yep. Um, because if it's your concern, then it should be my concern, and it's best for the patient. We're doing this for the patient. Yeah. It's not about egos. No. Um, it, it's it's really about the patient, and I think that's what. Well, and I've heard not only from you, and I can just tell, mate, you you have so much experience, um, and you don't have an ego. You are yeah, uh, no, you you're absolutely um, completely humble, uh, and that's the, one of the main reasons why I wanted you on here is that with all your experience, you could easily walk in like Top Gun, um, but no, you no, but you you, you um you know you take everyone's opinion on board. You look at scene, you assess every patient. Uh, and you, uh, you know, respected as a clinician. That's that's why I wanted to talk to you. Um, we were playing just around there with, with some, uh, you a know, a Um, You know, just just I love to just go off a whim here, but we, you get on scene or you think that you potentially might need to decompress someone's chest. Yeah. You know, yeah, do you so, like it? Uh, yeah. Well, I do like the Numafix. Yeah. Um, it's much better than the um, the Dwarf Cath. Dwarf Cath had a a high leg valve which had to attach and a connective tube. So this is all in one. Yep. The, the, the valve's built into the actual uh, the pneumofix device itself, yep. into the decompressing needle. Um, yeah, I do like about it. And, um, you know, if we're going to use these uh, devices, we've probably got, we're, we're starting to think about it on the way to the job. Yep. Um, we are on scene, we have a male, he's yep. got a single gunshot wound in yep. the chest, he's in cardiac arrest. Yep. That's the thing. It's, it's not coming from anyone else, yep. uh, it's real. So en route, um, I'm thinking now it's a penetrating injury. Yep. I'm thinking distance to hospital. I think the best uh, that can happen for this patient is me to get in hospital ASAP. Yep. But it is COVID period as well. Yeah. And probably better our practices uh, at infection control. So en route, I'm gowning up. Yep. I'm trying to do everything I can. So when I pull up, I'm not sitting outside the cast with a half gown mask hanging on my face. This is what I'm going to do. Yep. This is how I'm going to go about it. Um, and I said, the definitive treatment here is to get him in the back of our car and the hospital ASAP. Yep. I said, probably at this point, I'll probably decompress on scene. When we get on scene, sort out the stretcher. Uh, I'll take the kit. I'll meet the other crew. And that's how I approach it. I, it, it of course, it may change. It might yep. be completely different when I get there. Yep. But there's a little plan. Yeah. So I'm gowned up, so I'm not pulling up on scene. I've literally got the car, grabbed my kit. I got on scene, uh, look after the airway, yep. got an eye gel in, I decompressed, ended up on our stretcher in the back of the car, on route to the hospital, cannulated, fluids running. Uh, the eye gel wasn't quite good, it got intubated, and by the time we pull up at hospital, a very short period of time, um, we can transfer care to you do. So you've got a, a gentleman, so roughly you've got a gentleman who's been shot, yeah. you've decompressed the chest, you've intubated the gentleman, yeah. he's cannulated, he's got fluids up, and he's transported to the hospital in minutes. They're, they're, they're the jobs that you, you do, you, you're under the pump. Yes. And, and, and these are the skill sets that you have to, 
hopefully do as you know, uh, as quick as you can, but yep. but efficiently. And it was difficult to come on scene and say, stop the CPR. Yep. And then, then there was this big pause, and you're the centre of attention at the moment while yep. you're decompressing. Yep. But you just got to just, just go into your zone and yep. do what you're taught and, and, and um, just think about it clearly and then move on. Do you get many bystanders that do CPR on a scene where you're, you may have limited resources and police or fire brigade or yes, other emergency services yes, are involved? They, they do help. Yep. And, and often we get uh, uh, bystanders or family members. Some yep. do a, a, a wonderful CPR. Yeah. Sometimes it's not that great. Often yep. we have a little corner box that says, was it effective, was it not effective? Yeah. Uh, was it not effective? You know, yes, sometimes it's not effective, but oftentimes it's quite quite amazing to do an effective CPR. Yeah, and that, and that's to their the benefit of the of the, their, their loved one or the or the or the, or the patient or the yeah maybe they've come across them on the street. Um, yep. and everyone gets involved. Yes, it's traumatic for everyone. Yep. Um, it, you know the the senior consultant that's sitting there orchestrating the movements and yes. You know, like, like we're just talking about, let's get some TXA right, let's yeah. get some calcium, let's get some more blood products, yes. massive transfusion protocol, yep. let's get the plasma going, the cryoprecipitate, the, yep. the pool of platelets. Um, as a paramedic, you have a clear, calm mind that's able to operate under high levels of stress. Um, at times when your bandwidth is completely maxed out and you're able to tunnel in and say, I'm, I'm, as a team, uh, Pete's got to sort this airway out and you're able to sort of rearrange, or Pete's gonna decompress a chest now. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that you raise, which is awesome, is that your colleagues, they can be doing other skills as well, running coached, that we all collectively work together for the patient's benefit. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need just to compose yourself, you know what to do. Yep. And I think those moments leading up to the job are very crucial. Um, look, we might say, for example, we might, we might go into it, but yep. say we go into a, a paediatric area. Yep. You are doing everything you can. You want to know the weight of the child. You want to know as much as you can. So you can prepare yourself mm -hmm. before you pull up on scene. And that's really important. It's like warming up uh, for an event. You don't just go into an event. Um, you know, our lead athletes and our, and, and our teams just don't roll up onto the field. They're warming up for a long time. And this is the same. You're preparing your mind. I've got a, a four-year-old. It's, it's a drowning CPR's in process. You've got to start thinking about mm. medication, um, tube size, um, you know, how you're going to approach this on scene. But even just getting those parameters in your head right, you are now sinking yourself into the job before you get there. So mm. when you get there, you're quite well prepared. Some of the bigger cases, you need to prepare yourself. Mm. Don't walk in there totally dry. Yep. And does that, do you guys, does, is the car quiet? Like you're racing towards a job, paediatric arrest, let's just say, a drowning. Oh, I don't think it's quiet. A job like that, yep. I'd be, um, say I'm driving, yep. um, and you might be the, yep. uh, the, the senior clinician, um, I'll be thinking about it loud. And you might be getting um, your colleague to write, okay, jot it down. Or you might remember, just look it up for me, yep. four-year-old, and they'll go, and then even on our apps, they're wonderful, yes. you can pull up four-year-old, cardiac arrest, and it'll bring up what you need, yep. based on that weight. Um, I feel privileged to um, to sit here with someone with your experience. I guess just to close, where do people go to re for resources? If, if there are paramedics out there that are listening, where do they go to find? They, they can download apps, obviously, which are helpful. But what resources does, do you go to? Do you keep up? How do you keep up to date? Surf the net a little bit. You do, yeah. And we have got some good resources. You know, we've got some um, resources at work. There's up to date. There's all these yep. other more clinical resources. But sometimes surfing the net gives me a, an overall picture here and there. Yep. Um, podcasts I'll listen to here and yep. there. 
um, constantly just keeping your mind intact. Yep. You know, like someone, like for example, someone says, oh, look, I did a job the other day, medical retrieval, they use calcium gluconate. What? Okay, let me, let me go look that up. I haven't heard that before. Yes. So away you go and you do your own little research. Love it. And, and you, you get to get a better feel for it. Yep. Yeah, you're going to read. And the thing is, Ben, you might read two or three or four or five articles before you get a better picture. Yes. And in all that, in all that reading, somewhere along the way, you, you formulated um, your own version. Yeah. You still provide the same care. Really um, same care. And I love the way that you not just involve the patient because that's your focus, but you actually involve the wider community, which is family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pete, economy, that's just amazing. Thanks, um, I've loved chatting with you. Uh, I'm sure people are going to love to listen. Any advice given on the ED jam should not be taken over your local medical practitioner. Shout out and thank you to everyone who's been listening to my podcast. Thanks for everyone who's been following me um, on Instagram. Um, please follow me on Instagram. Please leave your reviews on iTunes as well. Um, I've got heaps of cool content coming up um, this next month. Um, but thank you so much for everyone who listens. Um, and yeah, keep listening to the ED jam. Thank you, Frothers. Bye. Woohoo.